Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy, and each week I sit down with an expert from the biggest sporting names in the world to neuroscientists, psychologists, philosophers, and even former Buddhist monks. We discuss a theme that tells us something insightful about life and how best to live it, from the importance of self-acceptance to facing addiction and developing resilience, right through to getting your circadian rhythms in sync and how to sleep better. Sport is described as a metaphor for life, and this podcast aims to prove that right. Hello, thank you for joining me. Okay, in this episode, I am joined by Helen Richardson-Walsh, who was part of the team that won a historic gold for Team GB at Rio 2016 in hockey. Now, last week, I spoke to the coach, Danny Kerry, and previously I've chatted to its captain, Kate Richardson-Walsh, who's Helen's wife, and the team's top scorer, Alex Danson. Now, Helen scored one of the crucial penalty shootout goals in the Rio Olympic final as Britain's women won gold for the first time in history. And the story of how the team climbed to the top of that mountain is a fascinating one. And really, it began back when London was awarded the Olympic Games in 2005, which secured funding for hockey because they were just staring into the abyss at that time after failing to qualify for Athens in 2004. In 2009, the team began conversations around values, behaviours and a vision, which really began the process of them actually winning medals, which included bronze in 2012. But there was a big dip in 2014. Helen was sidelined as she was recovering from back surgery. She had mental health difficulties at that time too. And the team was in free fall. They finished 11th at the World Cup. They were really divided, full of internal strife. But that low point proved to be something of a blessing 
Danny Kerry was brought back in as coach and the team had a meeting where all the ill feeling was addressed and released. After that incredibly tough conversation, the side regrouped and together they set a new vision and drew up a new set of values. And two years later, it's no coincidence, the team won gold in Rio. So the theme of this episode really is around having a vision for what and who you want to be. We talk about vulnerability, particularly around Brené Brown's work on the subject and being the best of yourself rather than trying to be someone else. We talk about values and goals, about ego and being the difference you want to see in the world. And of course, the team's famous Thinking Thursday. Helen is now a performance psychologist at Tottenham Hotspur Women. She's a deep thinker. She's a laugh. And it was a pleasure chatting to her. Any thoughts or questions about this or any other of my episodes, get in touch on social media and please do check out my website, simonmundy.com. But first, here is Helen Richardson-Walsh. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Helen Richardson-Walsh, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Simon. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on because, well, there are a number of reasons. There's so much to talk about, but I think you're a, a don't tell me the score first in that you've won an Olympic gold medal, scored a penalty in the crucial shootout. You've turned your hand to becoming an elite sports psychologist at Spurs. And you've got a bus and a beer named after you. <laughs> where Do you ever say to yourself, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> that is brilliant. I think that's when that's when my brothers finally thought I'd achieved something was when I had a beer named after me, I have to say. <laughs> is it good? Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Golden Hells by the brewery Magpies up in up in Nottingham, which is where my hockey began. So yeah. very fitting. Yeah. Is it is it a bitter or a lager or? Uh, no, it's uh, it's more of a lager, I would right. say. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Do they send you free stashes? <laughs> well, it was it was more of a guest beer, so um, it's it's had its day. Oh, it's had its I'm, day. I'm, All it, right. It was it was more of a short run thing. Okay, um, so it could be like collectibles, you know, figures yeah. like, like Star Wars figures from back in the day, worth an absolute bomb. And Absolutely. but the bus is still there, right? Yeah, yeah, the bus is still there. The bus is um, <laughs> picking up my mum because <laughs> it goes to West Bridgeford where where I spent most of my, my yeah. um, childhood and my mum still lives there. And yeah, the number eight Amazing. bus. That's fantastic, isn't it? So just imagine yeah. the pride she gets every time she gets or, or either that or she's so used to it, she doesn't even notice. Well, it's actually quite nice because there's only one of them and uh, it obviously has to get, do the circuit. So she doesn't catch it very often. So when she does, it's like, oh, Helen, she, she, she sends me a text so... message. Guess where I am? <laughs> Fantastic. Right. So yeah. here's here's the first question, and there's lots I want to get into, but I want to throw a bit of a tough one at you first, right? So Olympic gold medal winner, penalty shootout under pressure, interest in the mind and performance and everything like that, all these successes, right? What is the key thread linking all these things? If you don't know now, we can talk about it later. <laughs> we can let it percolate if you want. My goodness. I think we should one, let right? it percolate. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let, let's let's let that percolate. We'll come back to that. All right. Yeah. Uh, how's Kate? She's very well. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah. Now, obviously, I, I assume you know she's been on Don't Tell Me the Score. One mm -hmm. of my favorite episodes. She laughed. She cried. And she cried <laughs> specifically when talking about you and your back surgeries. Which coincided with Great Britain's dip in team fortunes as well. So. Well, not going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
to me, there was no coincidence. Anyway, yeah, definitely one of my favorite episodes. So I'm fascinated to to talk to you as well because I've speak, spoken to some of the other team from, from 2016. I, I had Danny on recently, Alex Dance and Kate. And I think it's been interesting doing this. So I've been doing this, what, for two and a half years now, roughly, I'd say, a bit more maybe. And there's been a couple of like sports and events and teams that have really stood out. The hockey team that won gold in Rio 2016 is arguably top of the pile because wow. of, yeah, I think because of the, the collective story <laughs> and then within that, the individual stories within it mm. and the values part, the, the big picture, all of this stuff. I think it's, um, it's one of my favorite British sporting tales. So I, oh, I really want to sort of dig into that and get your take yeah. on some, some of the other bits. But, but we've got to go back, haven't we? We've got to start back. Before you had a bus, before you had a beer, before you had a medal, all that stuff, right? But you did have three older brothers. And I want to yes. know, what, what impact did they have on you from a sporting sense, but also from a sort of perhaps a, a personality sense or anything like that? Yeah, I, I think I think they had a huge, significant impact on, on me. What I became as a, I think particularly as a sports person, in the early days, I think since then I've gone through quite a, a, a large transition to, to being who I am today through lots of questions and curiosity over the last five or so years since Rio. Um, but just being the youngest of four anyway, I think, but, but we all played sport. Sport was massive in our family. My dad used to play hockey and cricket as well. So they were probably the, the two main sports. We also played tennis. Uh, my mum was also um, into sport as well. So it was about sport and just that competitiveness. We used to play like two on two in the garden and in the park. It was constant, anything like roller hockey, football, you know, we played everything. And I think just that, I think having, you know, had the chance to kind of look back, I, I mean, no doubt it kind of shaped me that want to be able to compete with them and because I was the youngest I was always having to strive I was always having to I probably always having to feel like I had to prove myself particularly as I was the only girl as well mm. um I was wanting to be there on merit rather than oh yeah let her play because she's a girl and you know that kind of thing I wanted to be there because I was good enough and so not only did that make me technically and probably tactically astute as a sports person particularly within the team game but it, it basically made me so determined <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it gave me that that drive to kind yeah. of be as good as I can and, and that kind of thing which I think probably has been one of my greatest strengths as a as a as a hockey player and I'm interested as well in terms <laughs> of your personality it's funny you say that as so I'm I've got an older sister just the one but she was hugely formative for me and in terms of she dressed me when I was sort of 12, 13, stuck me in DMs, gave me a sense of parting, which made me cool Amazing. at the time. You know, she had a, a huge impact. But then as well, you said, prove yourself. And I remember mm. if I look back at the family albums, when she was born, there was sort of 10, 12, 14 pages of her, you know, as a baby. And then I was born, I think it was probably a page. <laughs> and then it's back to her, right? And I don't think it's a coincidence then that I've been a gobby so-and-so, a bit of an attention seeker, like, look at me, hello, I'm over here. So obviously you wanted to prove yourself. That manifested then for you in terms of proving yourself in sport. Did it in any other ways? 
not really not that I can think of um um sport was like was my thing in the end it like it became my safe space um I think because of as I got a little bit older and I started to grapple with potentially well my sexuality for one thing and also you know dealing with the fact that my parents got divorced and things like that I think they they were things in my life that were also within me and sport became something that was I didn't know it I did, yeah yeah a little bit I didn't know it at the time um yeah. but yeah. and it wasn't even just sport it was actually on the field of play yeah when I, I couldn't no one could ask me questions no one could talk to me I didn't have to speak I didn't have to do anything other than just be myself in that moment on that pitch do you mind me asking how old were you when your parents separated I was five so Ooh. young enough for it to, to not really know what was going on but old enough to you know, for it to, to affect me. Um, Do you know how it affected you? In the early years, actually, it was, it affected me. um, Well, it was put down to that. My kind of my reading and my writing, my writing, my spelling kind of really fell back. Um, How I developed within those types of areas. Educationally, I I, I suffered, um, which was put down to that. I mean, I, you know, that's what I've been told. So that's kind of what I believe. Um, and then I think maybe I've started to think about it a bit more recently and, and how it affected me as a, as a person, obviously I, you, you don't know because you don't know how, I don't know how I would have been. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, start to wonder whether I did start to maybe go into myself a little bit. I didn't, but that could have just been me. That could have just yeah. been who I was anyway, but yeah, certainly lots of, I mean, but that one thing that I have realized about myself is that I'm a real thinker and that's led me to some dark places, but it's also allowed me to really, I I actually enjoy it. I enjoy kind of being in this space of, of not knowing and, and actually that's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like really, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we did within the team has allowed me to access this area um of my my kind of thought pathway because at the start of our career we didn't do a huge amount of this but you know at the end we we really we really got in touch with who we were as people um and mm. worked with our psychologists and that kind of thing which I'm sure we'll come on to and and I think there was a part of me that was wanting to find answers and and that kind of stuff but actually just that that knowing of that we we all develop we grow we change and and actually that's okay and that's mm. and that's good and and being, I'm just happy with being curious about stuff. Yeah, I think that's really powerful and quite profound because, like <clears> you say, <throat> being comfortable not knowing. Because the thing is, yeah. we don't know, do we? I mean, the world is always yeah. changing. Who? Know, I mean, we literally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We kid ourselves that we do, but we don't. And there, and it, and it's like it's, the temptation can be to try and control things in such a way, or get and become a bit controlling, if you like to try and make ourselves feel better inside. But that's, it's, it's a fool's errand really, isn't it? But like you say, it sounds mm. more like you've gone into, okay, no, I'm okay with that. But it's more about just exploring, like yeah. just letting go of any fixed ideas, if you like. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, I think obviously this last year has forced uh, all of us to do that in some respects. And I think because, because I've had my, my hockey that's, and that's, ended now unfortunately mm. it had to end yeah and um, and so I'm I'm I've had to be forced into another path and and I could 
you know, be massively affected by a, a want to be perfect at something else. But I, I don't need that. I know that I'm starting a new journey as whether it's a psychologist, a coach, um, you know, whatever it is, I feel like I want to help people. I feel like I want to mm. help others get the best out of themselves. Mm. Um, and I know what help I needed in order to do that. So I want to try and translate that into a, into a new world. And I know that I'm not going to be, <laughs> I know that I'm not going to be amazing at that straight away, but I also know that it's not about being amazing at it. I just want to learn and grow and get better at it. You know, I've, I've really, really have a a great admiration for Brene Brown um yeah. I know you do yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah yeah and she was someone who I first listened to when I was in my deep dark hole mm -hmm. who helped me get out of that um and what I've learned from listening to people like her and people like her and um is that it is about the person and mm. I first had to understand me and then you know really what do I value? What do I want to be about? These are all questions I wish kind of would ask, been, been helped, encouraged to ask when I was a lot younger. Although I was saying this to one of the footballers I was talking to the other day at Spurs. I don't know if I would have been in a place to even make sense of that anyway yeah, when I was yeah. younger. So I don't yeah. know if there is a sense of time that you, that you need. Do you need to be older? I don't know. And, and um, also, I think a lot of teams, organisations, people don't go through that process in the way that you all did. And and I, th I like I said, in terms of the story of you guys and what you achieved, but the way you achieved it and that values piece and the behaviors and the vision and wanting to inspire and everything like that, I don't know of an other example where it's been as powerful as it was with with you all. And, and like you say, it's something I really want to get into and that whole the Brené Brown stuff really feeds into that and authenticity and all that kind of stuff. But you said something a minute ago about you've started this new thing and you don't have to be brilliant now, right? But that's okay. And it's about learning and growing and getting better. And it made me think, because I often talk about, I did an episode with Goldie Sayers, who I'm sure you probably know. Yeah. And it was about the journey, right? So we always call it the journey. And it's like, but then... <laughs> But then it's like, okay, but what does that mean? And I think that's what it means, isn't it? It's learning, growing, and getting better and enjoying that process. And that's that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, in, it, I, I sometimes wonder about if, what if we had won an Olympic gold medal when I was, when I first got into the team, how that would have felt and what it would have meant back then to versus what it meant right literally right at the end of my career because that that striving for it was actually something that I, mean, I can't even describe what it felt like yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. just that yeah. striving for something yeah 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 um and to then you know to then achieve it I, I know some of the you know other players in the team who are, are carrying on that period Oh, sorry. Who who did carry on and are still playing? That period afterwards was was quite challenging for them in a different way. It's like, how do we go again? Yeah, you but, guys got it good. You, you, yeah. you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop, you finished right on a high. See ya. Thankfully, thankfully, but lucky <laughs> yeah. we did because yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we couldn't have planned it any better. No. So, like I said, the journey that you've all the all individually be on. So whether it was Kate talking about her journey to becoming captain, Alex 
obviously the journey that she had, particularly after mm. Rio with banging her head. Danny, in terms of the growth he had to go through after the way he wasn't entirely happy with himself with the way he coached in 2008 through to you and the injuries and going back I still remember when London was announced as the mm-hmm. uh, the host of 2012 like, I remember exactly where I was I was playing tennis at Queen's Club and I just heard this way for you and your teammates that it was crucial wasn't it because hockey was in a bit of a dire state at that time Funding had been slashed. And then because of that decision, you guys got a bit of money thrown back at you, which then fed into this, okay, let's talk about some of the intangibles, not just the tactics, not just the way we're going to play, but the stuff of the big picture stuff. So can you just, yeah, talk about that, the beginning of that process? Yeah, you know, I often say that the London Olympics saved hockey um, in in this country, well, certainly international hockey in this country, um, because, yeah, as you say, we'd, failed to qualify for Athens with um, kind of, and, and then it was announced in 2005. And so if it hadn't been for, for then, I dread to think where hockey would be. And I think as a, as a women's squad, we saw this quite rightly, I believe, as a once in a lifetime opportunity, home Olympic games, we have to make the most of this. We have to give our best our all we have to justify the funding that is now being um put into our sport and yeah like you say because we we decided to train full-time um that was a, a decision by by Danny which he put to us as a as a group um and there was thankfully there was a core of us who 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 agreed we knew we needed to to change something and so we we set about deciding who we were about. And the, the first thing that we did um, in our full-time program was to decide on our vision. And the vision that we had for London was really different to the one that we had for, for Rio. Back then, we were, what, ranked ninth in the world, I think, when we were deciding on our vision for London. Um, we'd never really, in my career, in the first kind of 10 years, we'd never really competed for a medal, not truly. Um, we hadn't made a sem- you know proper semi-final other than the, the Europeans, of course, but on the world stage. And we set our vision as gold. And we had some very long and interesting discussions. And what I was most grateful for in, in those discussions was the honesty that people came up with. There was a real sense of fear, fear of failure, fear of, of going for something and, and not reaching it. I, I remember this so vividly. There were some people who physically wouldn't say the word gold. They just wouldn't say it out loud. That We were that afraid of it. And so that vision that we came up with, you know, in hindsight and with the, the luxury of being able to, to now know what's happened in the future in terms of our vision for Rio, which was to be the difference, create history, inspire the future. Really different vision. Mm. Mm. Um, much less about the the kind of tangible outcome although mm. the gold was not just about winning gold it it was about something greater about it, and it actually turned into something around kind of gold standards um but we didn't we had nobody in our squad at that time who had ever won a gold medal we didn't know how to win a gold medal and so we were guessing and I felt it was actually really important at that stage that that we could say the word gold and we could aim for it mm. um and that really I believe set us on our path to the Rio gold. Um, we didn't win gold in London, as no. as I'm sure everyone knows. We, we but we did get the bronze. 
Yeah. And I honestly don't believe that we would have got anywhere near if we hadn't if we hadn't kind of set our standards at that level. Because I think deep down in, inside of all of us, there's a sense of knowing. Like you know whether you've given your best. Like if you're really honest with yourself. You can't kid the person in the mirror, yeah. Exactly. And I think up until 2010... 2010 was so we set our vision in the right at the beginning of 2010 and then we played three tournaments that year we played the champions trophy which is a tournament for the top six and we won the bronze medal first medal at the champions trophy we went to the world cup and we won a bronze medal and we went to the commonwealth games and we won a bronze medal which for the commonwealth games is actually a bit disappointing but in the year that we had that was fine we won a we won a bronze medal at the world cup and for the first time, I remember um, on the way home from the World Cup, Sally Monday, the chief executive at the time of England Hockey, was on our flight. And I can't even remember what question she asked me. Probably about something like, how, how, how are you feeling about this? And, and I just remember like thinking and feeling that there was just this level of satisfaction that I'd never had before. There was almost like a sense of knowing that I, I and we, the team and myself, had done and are doing everything that we possibly can. And that was rewarded with a bronze medal at a World Cup. It wasn't the gold, but even so, I knew we were on the right path at that moment. There was a, not satisfaction, it was more contentment. I was content because I I was and am doing everything that I can. And I know that we all are doing that. And that was like a real moment for me because I'd never really experienced that before. It was either myself that looking at myself, I didn't feel like I had been given it all or or collectively as a team at some point, you know, every tournament that we went to. And don't get me wrong, you know, there was still that passion. There was still that drive. There was still that want to to improve and get better. But we were now on the right path and I could see where it could go. And that didn't exist before. Mm. So that values and, you know, setting standards and connecting in terms of this big vision was obviously really integral in that but it was interesting I thought what you said about so you had the the vision at 2012 was gold and like you say there's something static if you like about that to a degree it's like a goal isn't it whereas in 2016 you obviously you had this really beautiful thing which was be the difference create history inspire the future so the difference between the two is as far as I can see. So the, the second one, so 2016, seems to be it's really values orientated. It's really it's like serving something bigger than yourselves, bigger than the outcome. And there's no doubt that you succeeded in, first of all, creating history. Second of all, inspiring the future. I mean, the number of people who took up hockey post 2016 was i mean it was staggering wasn't it, it was it was tens mm. of thousands so why do you think there was that difference in terms of the visions piece the the values the behaviors what nudged it then from this gold and the, the goal orientated part to it to this much bigger you know bigger than ourselves values part that was the final piece of the jigsaw yeah i think um there's probably a few things i think one of the main things is that we we were a different group of people and there were some that were the same, but we were also different because of the experiences that we'd had in London, because of the experience that we'd had post-London. 
um, with kind of the the World Cup in particular in 2014 oh, yeah. um, and, and all of that stuff. And, and also then what we became as a team, I think that was probably the biggest factor. You know, we went from being the most selfless team in London under that vision of gold to possibly being the, the most selfish team that I'd played in. It was not a nice place to be. Um, I was experiencing my own personal challenges with with my back injury at that time and there was mm. so much going on there was a lot of us who were struggling personally and there was just a collectively we were also not in a great place and there was a lot of us who were the same people from London to to that point and so kind of I think when we were then going through the process of deciding on our Rio vision values and behaviors it was coming from a really different place we were wanting to find what our values were actually uh-huh. So did you think, think you needed that dip? You know, actually, you needed that period of of selfishness to to be able to establish. You know, that's really not how not how we want to be. I think that probably influenced. Yeah, I think that. Pro- I don't think we necessarily needed it. I don't think you do need do that need that. But when we were then coming up with our vision, values, and behaviors for a second time in the Rio cycle, because we we'd done it before the World Cup with with the coach that took out took over after London and then Danny Kerry came back in as our coach Mm. um, in the lead up to Rio and we went through that process again and I think that what we had become as a team really did shape where we then took our vision and our values and our and our behaviors and I think for the London cycle we were we were much more experienced as a group of people more mature whereas for the Rio cycle we had we lost a good number of players and people who were just had this like I don't know it was like a maturity like that ability mm. to kind of those people that really make teams tick yeah um, and we lost a lot of those people right. and so you know we were a different team we were potentially asked different questions as well you know I do remember Danny asking that you know really pertinent question of how do you want to be remembered and, and I think also one of the things that was that potentially was that troubled potentially myself and, and Kate and a few other of the senior players in the team was actually that after London, what we had created, what we felt like we had created was actually a little bit ignored. And so therefore that's why when we then came up with, with our new vision, we wanted it to encompass what had gone before, not just us, but all the women and men who have, who have, built hockey in this country and made it what it is today but we also then wanted it to be have uh, that yeah. future focus so that link to the past and the future yeah basically yeah, but yeah, also yeah. to sit in the here and now which yeah, was yeah. you know to to be the difference um and that and and i gotta be honest like, like the vision particularly that be the difference is is something that still i is a massive um it's probably more of a value of yeah. mine now yeah, I, I, that's I, I, something that i live by Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Create history and inspire the future. It's quite obvious what that means. Whereas be the difference, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, what does that mean? So just going on what you've said, is, is it that appreciating what's gone before, looking to inspire and, and pass the baton on to the future by performing in the here and now? Is that, is that what it was? Or if not, correct me. <laughs> um, be the difference was, well, I think this is the beauty of it as well, because we had so many discussions and these words were definitely had um definitely had a kind of a meaning that everybody would have known what it was but there also would have been different meanings that people would have taken for themselves which is the beauty of that vision um so for example like inspire the future has had actually potentially has multiple kind of meanings it could be inspire the 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 next generation of hockey players but it also inspire the the future of ourselves like Ah. tomorrow Potentially, yeah. do you know what I mean? And or the, inspire the future of of next international hockey teams, like that kind of. There there was lots of different, um, and also I think create history. There there was the obvious one, which obviously did incorporate, which was to win the gold medal. But again, once you've won that gold medal, what is then next? And the next one is potentially to win another gold medal. That's still creating history. Um, but be the difference. I think was more. It actually came about by the um, "Be the difference you wish to see in the world." Is that the yeah. quote? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so to stand up, to stand up for stuff, to to rather than wait for somebody else to do it, you do it. Yeah, that kind of. Oh, I see. Thing. So, be that. That yes, of course, be that the, famous you, quote: "The be the difference that you want to see in the world." Yes. Instead yeah. of pointing out and saying, "Oh, that annoys me," it's like, okay, no, yeah. you be that thing yeah. that you want to see. So exactly. be what you would. Ah, yeah, exactly. Nice. And if you okay, see something that's not right, you be the difference. And and that could be, you know, that that had connotations for outside of our team, um, yeah. and and particularly, I mean, you know, where we where the kind of world that we live in right now that that goes to so many different places. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but but for us as a team in the here in the here and now, that was also every single day. Be the difference by making sure that you bring your protein shake to the gym, making sure you do your, your activation properly, your rehab, your prehab, your, you know, the, all those little behaviors that are the difference. Um, if, if you see somebody not doing one of living by our vision values and behaviors, be the difference and go and have that conversation. 
it's about being the difference to do the hard stuff um, about the discipline um yeah all of that stuff that's great no i really like that because i wasn't sure but actually it makes that makes total sense to me you know whether it be so you we hear a lot about kindness don't we now be kind and then often people who pipe that up aren't necessarily always that kind but it so it's it's instead of saying i want to speed the world to be kind of forget the world you be as kind as you can be exactly and this is which is i think yeah, yeah start with yourself right and that to me the difference then between 2012 and 2016 is it felt a bit static in 2012 to a, to a degree whereas in 2016 that it, it it could be interpreted in so many ways it was living it was breathing it was like a a dynamic flowing organism of its of its own kind of thing yeah i, I think i think the the vision certainly did for me personally i think the difference between london and so for me when i think about the london team actually the, the squad in and bef- in and around the actual games time wasn't hugely different. How I felt, the the contentment, the pride, all of the sense of belonging, was really really similar. I I believe that the difference between why we won gold at one and bronze at the other was potentially one of our values that we had for the Rio cycle, mm-hmm. which was which was we are winners, right. and. I think that I think when we were going through the process again of deciding on our vision values and behaviors we were really honest with ourselves and one of those conversations that we had was actually we potentially don't know how to win or we are not we don't believe is there a belief issue we don't talk about winning enough we don't celebrate winning enough it's not necessarily in our kind of dna perhaps Mm -hmm. as a team right now and so we need to make that happen because otherwise we won't win Mm. um and so that's about the being able to i I often think about the game when you think about you know sporting finals in particular semi-finals that kind of stuff very rarely will you see a game won by more than one or two goals like those games are hard Mm. they are tough from start to finish and it's about enjoying being in that kind of moment in Mm. learning how to deal with the pressure of that moment understanding your emotions and all of that stuff um you know and then and then like the critical moments in games like the the first five minutes the last five minutes when you go a goal up when you go a goal down when you um have a player sent off like all of those different things and that's why I think the combination of what we had as a squad with and with the coaching staff um and it it was almost like one of those just those moments where everything came together Mm. um and and we learned we we honestly we learned how to win one of our kind of phrases or mantras at the kind of at, at the Olympic Games was and beforehand was find a way to win find a way to win and we believed that we could find a way to win from any position and that that doesn't just happen that comes through training and that comes through Mm. time and it comes through it happening and so you know little moments and that contributed to that and obviously a big moment that contributed to allowing us to beat the Dutch in the Olympic final was was beating the Dutch in the European final as England a a year prior um, Mm. when we were Two two nil down with eight minutes to go, and we got it back to penalties. We got we you know got the goals back. We got it back to penalties, and we won on penalties. And so, yeah. 
just the kind of synergy between between that and then the the Rio final. We we believed we could win because we had taught ourselves how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that's and, nice. Yeah. That's nice because you hear that people say you know winners are born not made but actually it's a load of gubbins isn't it, it, it yeah it, it's it's a skill you can learn yeah 100 percent. yeah like the the kind of um i always think about the fergie time that people yeah. often yeah, got yeah, annoyed yeah. with because yeah. they would score with like you yeah, know yeah. 90 plus three on the clock and it's like that, <laughs> that doesn't happen by accident they believe they will get a, a chance and they believe they will put it in and it's about it's about a mindset and mm. and some people that comes a lot easier yeah um obviously of course um but I, those things can be can be learned yeah yeah um you know i remember a coach of mine a club coach that i had who made that point really clearly before a big big league game that we had like at half time he was i think it was maybe level i think we were level at half time and you know whatever happens in the, on the seven, you know even if there's 69 minutes on the clock we will get another chance and we will score it. And it's just having that belief and yeah, yeah. um, that over the whole, the, the course of the whole game, yeah, we yeah. will win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about knowing yourself, which will lead us into thinking Thursday in a sec. So I want to just, because uh, Kate told me how for her, it was, it was, <laughs> it was anger management each week. And I'm interested on in your reaction, but before, before we get onto that, and again, I'm sort of dotting around in time because we will go back to 2014 in a sec. But so once, the World Cup had been a bit of a disaster, and like you say, there was this this um, mood of a bit more selfishness than had been the case. And then there's the famous meeting that you had, and Danny spoke about this, and Kate spoke about this in terms of sort of radical candor, blood on the wall, as it were. Get in there, and like you're not coming out till it's all <laughs> been said. What are your recollections of going in there, and how um, how tough was that? Yeah, that was really, really, really tough. Um, <laughs> so we did have a psychologist, but he actually left within this period and we got a, a kind of an interim psychologist who was one of, the, I think, the best psychologists in the EIS. And she was tasked with coming together for this meeting. And she, she it was the first time she'd met us all and the last time. And I think she must have walked <laughs> out that room thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> because honestly wow. I mean, she was amazing and what she created was a, was this yeah was a space a, a very safe space for us to voice what were what was going on deep down in all of us and I remember being very fearful going into that meeting because mainly because of my own insecurities and my own vulnerabilities that I knew I needed to to voice I knew that I needed to apologize for, for my part in in what we had become and I was incredibly grateful that a lot of us did that um and yeah it was it, it was I mean at the time it was hideous it yeah, was of course. so hideous you know there was a lot of tears there was actually something which there was shouting and a lot of anger which is really unusual you know it doesn't often get to that place but it was so so necessary and I'm honestly so proud of all of the the team in that room to really say where what they were feeling how others had made them feel and and stuff like that which is so hard yeah yeah, which is so hard to do to be really honest but people 
I think ultimately no none of us liked where we were at that point that was probably what you know the connection that we had was that we we wanted to make this better somehow yeah we didn't know how but yeah we needed to start here yeah and Kate said a similar thing actually she said you know since going since retiring and going into businesses for example so many of the problems stem from things left unsaid and mm. I know in my own family you know and I'm sure a lot of British families are like this where it's like you know don't make a scene just put sweep it under the carpet and so you can be at like a big family <laughs> do, can't you and you can sense this, this sort of anger bubbling mm. under the surface but act, so actually and like you say it can be it, it's tough like having tough yeah. conversations and your mind is like please don't go there like you, you don't like you said you were feeling fearful you didn't want to go and do that but they are so important I, and and I don't think I've ever particularly if you can go in and go look I feel like this and don't necessarily just pin the blame on the other person and say like I feel like this when you do this but it's not like you make me feel like this so so our little girl will say say to me at the moment she's like you're making me so mad. I'm like, I'm really not. Like, like you, you are mad, and I happen to be here. But the two are not as intimately connected as you as you believe. But I'm interested. So, when you sort of came out of it, then can you quantify how cathartic it was? And did you have that sense of like a huge weight off off your shoulders individually and collectively? Or did that take time? Were you a bit raw for a while? I think there was a rawness to it. I remember we did it in December, so it was before Christmas, so before a kind of natural break that we had in our programme. And then we came back in January with a, a brand new psychologist, which was probably for the best because, yeah, we needed that freshness. I don't think, yeah, so I think over that Christmas period, it probably took um, a bit of a bit of time for us all to just individually figure it out. Um, but I do, I do think there was a, 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 a sense of, in fact, actually, and this is what we, we really tried to do within our squad on from that point was, you know, once you've, once you've had a chance to have your say and you leave a meeting, then that, that's it. Mm, mm. Um, if say you don't, it now if you haven't or, yeah, it, yeah, forever exactly. hold your peace. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So I think that's and, I, and that definitely would have come up in that meeting. So I think that's why everything <laughs> that's why everything came out. Yeah, I do. I do think it was a moment actually. Yeah, yeah. Put a full stop on it and move forward. Yeah, like I said, I've I've tried to embrace difficult conversations increasingly, and they're hard. And then I look back, it's like, oh, well, there's this quantum leap forward actually in the, the quality of your relationship by doing that. It's like it's like airing yeah. the cupboards out, isn't it? Yeah. It's not fun yeah. at the time, but it, it's, yeah. it's it's like a massive spring clean. But um, yeah, no, you're right. And then I do want to ask about that self awareness piece, which will lead us on to various other trajectories. But uh, with the Thinking Thursday, which I've spoken about a lot with Kate, with Danny, and you'd get this email and split into teams, and the rules had changed, the captains had changed. You know, there'd be unfairness and all this stuff. But you were still trying to win within that. So it's this training yourself to be able to thrive in really challenging situations, which inevitably the end mm. of an Olympics semi-final final that they're going to be like that but i remember kate saying that she would get angry what would be your go-to so because and danny as well so danny's danny said as i'm sure you know like when danny's under pressure he goes inwards and can see mardi right oh that's the impression i've got yeah right, right so where did you go <laughs> that's because kate was on the orange team more often than not which was <laughs> labeled anger management um 
I, I, I was also a really emotional player um, and actually realized that it was a massive strength of mine. And so I needed to harness that emotion rather than, because I, I did at one point, I tried to, to not have the emotion because I, I, I you know, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. it was detrimental, you know, as, as it, as we know it can be. Um, but I, I just felt numb when I didn't have that. And so I had to really learn to to harness it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of anger was definitely an emotion that was quite up there, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. But I learned to really drive, use it to, to drive me. Um, I, I potentially would get, yeah, angry or not angry, I guess, frustrated with with I could get frustrated with other players if I didn't feel like they were doing stuff and that was that was me that wasn't them that was on me and potentially in the past I wouldn't have communicated with those people in a way that was going to help them (laughs) and again you know the the work that we did as a collective on all of this stuff most of it was about how can we get the best out of each other because Mm. we're we're playing as a team here and and if I'm going to shout at someone and that doesn't help them then why why would I do that and so we had some really great, honest conversations around our strengths and what we need to get our, the best out of ourselves and what we're like on a good day and what we're like on a bad day and what happens to us and all of those types of things. And one of the things that I learned and massive, massive takeaway for me was about how my impact is on people around me, not just on the on the pitch, but also off it. But yeah, on the pitch, it was it was learning what other people needed from me when the pressure was on. I knew my strengths Mm -hmm. and so therefore I needed to also deliver on those. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that was to do with communication. A lot of that was to do with the intensity of of standard. Um, That was one of my strengths that I brought to the team. But yeah, when I was angry and frustrated at people, I needed to communicate that in the best way. And that's why Thinking Thursday was just so great. From the moment you got the email, you know, the fact that we got sent an email the night before actually kind of played into it as well. You know, we'd finished our club training session and we'd go over to our phones and like, oh, we've got an email. <laughs> like, you, know, you, know, you, just, you just want the night off. Yeah, you just yeah. want to go home and have a shower and get into bed and not think about it. But But you're having to you're having to think about the next day and prepare. And, and yeah. sometimes the, the teams would get WhatsApp, start literally start WhatsApp group. Okay, these are the points. What do you think tomorrow? Um, and then actually over time, we learned that we, we couldn't always do that. And that possibly wasn't always the best. And actually, can we meet in the morning and come up with some stuff quite mm. quickly? It challenged our togetherness. It challenged the way we work together, but it also challenged the, you know, the ultimate thing of working out how to best play in this game. We weren't being told by the coaches. We yeah, were yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Full ownership. Yeah. No, it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's, yeah. it's so powerful thinking Thursday. And it's been, like, I've loved chatting about it. And um, which leads me then really into the self awareness piece. So you talk about Brene Brown, right? So her famous TED talk <laughs> about authenticity, right? And Kate quoted her verbatim very impressively Did during she? our chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that came from it for me was that good things come from being yourself. And I think it's something I learned over time was as someone who perhaps was looking for a long time for ways to fix things I didn't like about myself. Actually, no, the truth of the matter is it's about being more you 
Yeah, it was, um, I think for me personally, like, as I said before, when I first listened to that TED talk, you were in a this was you were in a dark time this was so yeah. this just to recap so this was you, you'd had your back surgeries been told oh you you might not make it back to the top level 2014 and you went into a bit of a dark place so it came along at a right time for you yeah and it, it's it's called the power of vulnerability for those people who haven't seen it and, and she yeah she made me realize that that what I was experiencing was was normal and this goes on at kind of micro and macro levels in everybody's life all the time um and I think when I am not at my best I start to compare myself with others I think lots of us do that and we can't be anybody else we can only be the best of ourselves and I think again that is a, a huge learning of mine and and I still creep back into it I still you know, you, you see people being praised for doing X, Y, and Z. You get an attention for doing, you know, this or that. And and you think, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I need to be this. And, and actually, no, just you need to be yourself and own yourself. And, and yeah, another Brene Brown thing, you know, she says about owning your story, owning who you are, because that's all we have, actually. For me, like you said, it's not about fixing you. It's actually really accepting. I always say, yeah, ex- ex- yeah, accepting. There's and it's it's acknowledging the different bits of you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are there are you know we we ha- we have different roles that we play. You know, yeah. as a as a as a partner, as yeah, a yeah. daughter, as a mother, as a teammate, as a whatever. But that yeah. And so there's not just one aspect of you. Like there's so many different things, and it's it's they're the roles that we play and we probably slightly different people within those things and and get into grips with that's okay and it's not to be authentic you have to be this same thing all the time it's not about that it's recognizing all those different parts of you and some of them some of them you'll like and some of them you won't like as much that's and that's also that's also um important to recognize and it's but it's not like you say it's not about fixing it it's about accepting that this is me um and Yes, some some of those things, if there are things that you don't like about yourself, and actually some of those things, then they they might be things that you maybe need to work on because sure. if they're having a detrimental effect in a workplace or with your family, then it can't just be a case of well, this is me and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like it or lump it type thing. You do you know you do need to um, recognize those things and, and work on them. But yeah, I, I think when I'm at my best, it's when I really understand myself I am true to who I am I'm not trying to be anything other than me yeah, yeah. um and I'm still <laughs> I'm still grappling with that yeah yeah but I um, think I it, I think yeah. it's a, it's such a fascinating topic and I really like the fact that you use, use the word roles because like you say we've all got these roles that we play that we have to step into right but I think it's too easy it can be easy and I'm interested to know what you think of this to to overly identify with our role so for example you know as as athletes oftentimes you hear that you know they retire and then they've lost that identity and I know actually you spoke about this in 2014 this was something you grappled with the identity of oh hang on I was this sports person now I'm not whether that be through injury or retirement but actually I think the more you can see these things and whatever they are 
as roles rather than who you are, you can handle them with a light touch. Like, for example, with you, I know you were really, really confident as a hockey player. And then post-2014, suddenly you weren't. It's more like saying, so I would always say, um, Helen, I'm a hockey player. But that's then, I'm then attaching hockey to to me rather than I'm Helen and I I play hockey. Yes, exactly, yeah. And it's just that, that little bit of, difference on on what you attach your identity to and and yeah like hockey was hugely my identity and you know that that whole thing of introducing yourself like you know I'm I'm Helen and I'm a hockey player and I and and that was literally who I was and what I was about and it's important to have those those different things that you kind of really value and you um having your life um yeah it's 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 a deep question isn't it really yeah it's a it's a big question because i mean identity is such a big thing but like i said i think for me it's like okay understanding their roles and then then you can value more values for example it's like how do you want to be rather than what i am so it comes back it's almost like what you said about the difference between 2012 and 16 right it's like okay we want to have this is just speaking in a simplistic way, have gold v these kind of much broader, you know, be, uh, we want to inspire, we want to be, we want to blah, 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 blah. Mm. So which is, it's just a, like I said, sort of more, yeah. more flowing or an organic. That resonates with me when it comes to these, this, <laughs> the biggest of questions. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's really, that's really true, actually. And yeah, like you say, the, the, the words that we used for the, for the Rio visions and values um, because our values were to um, we are one team we are winners and be alive and they're all yeah like you say they're all being things they're all about yeah what what you're about as opposed to who you are and yeah that's really true that's really true I'm not sure I'm not sure of I'm not sure I've thought about it in that way. There we go. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, an, um, it's a really interesting one, I think. Yeah. Because when we, like, so for me, the people I really admire, people who, and I've got to be honest, without being too generalizing, I notice it more with some ex-pro men than women. They can often cling to that, I was this player. I won this thing. And I'd see them in media centers and they still have that kind of swagger. And actually, it's a bit like, yeah, that was then. You're not that anymore. And it's it's almost a bit tragic. Whereas, you know, we're always changing and evolving and there is nothing static. And, and I think that's why I really admire, like I say, people who recognize that, even perhaps in the midst of their careers. Certainly for me, finishing hockey and having to find a new path. And I started working with, with Spurs women as a, as a performance psychologist. And there was definitely a part of me and I don't mind admitting it because I, I think it's possibly within all of us. Like we we all have our ego, and there was definitely a part of me when I remember kind of being out on the on the on the pitch with them, and they were doing their training, and then I was uh, helping collect the balls in afterwards, and 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 they pick up the cones and stuff like that. And and I was like, there was definitely a part of me thinking, oh, I'm I'm an Olympic on medalist, and I'm doing this, and <laughs> and and I'm and I'm kind of I'm at the bottom. I feel like I'm at the bottom of the rung again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I could, I, I think what I could do, what I could have done is, is be, I don't want to do that. I, I'm yeah. above that. And yeah, but yeah. that's, that's not, I don't think that's 
I personally, that's not my values. No. And, but it went through my mind and, and I reflected on it and I questioned it and I, I thought, no, actually, because, because I want to, me, what my, what I've been about throughout the whole of my career is, is learning and growing and trying to get better to be, to be the best. I wanted to win. I was, a, I felt like I was a, a winner in that respect, but now I'm, I'm starting again. And my ego is, is being tested at times, yeah, yeah. if yeah, I'm yeah. honest. And yeah. I'm in places and I'm thinking uh, I, I also the other way in terms of God, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm good enough to be here. And yeah, yeah, I have to question that as well. Like, no, you do know, you've you've got yes you might not have the experience in this actual kind of working life but the experience you have within teams and what you've done and felt and thought and kind of been exposed to and and inputted into is massive so it goes both ways like my mm. ego you yeah, know yeah. one day could be like why am i doing yeah this? of course yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and then the other way is like oh i can't you know i can't <laughs> yeah, do this yeah. and it's two sides and, of the same coin isn't it yeah, yeah yeah exactly and and it's being and that but that's why coming back to authenticity and being true to who you are that's why it's so important in those moments to know who you are what am, what am i about and actually i'm kind of exploring that at the moment like i had this part of my life and I'm now moving in a in a new exciting direction what do I want to be about and I've I've started to actually write some of this stuff down it's always going on in my head but I actually I actually want to start writing some of this down and really really truly understand what I want to be about so that when I am challenged because I will be it could be tomorrow it could be in you know, three months time when I am challenged, I really truly understand me and what I stand for. Yeah. That's your, um, so that's the values. Bit, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's why I think it's, bit. you know, yeah. it's so important. Like you say, it can be, it's like an anchor or a compass, Yeah, you know, like to drive. Um, right. Last few things. Uh, you've been very generous with your time, but I'll tell you one thing in terms of vulnerability and authenticity, something I've heard you talk about, which I think is really interesting. So when we think of being vulnerable, Oftentimes people think it's like sharing, oh, I'm scared about this. I feel bad about that, blah, blah, blah. But actually, for us Brits in particular, oftentimes the harder thing is is being vulnerable about what we think we're good at. Like yeah. the amount of people who are rubbish at taking compliments, you know, you're, <laughs> you know, like, and, and so, yeah, can you just talk to me about the vulnerability of owning your strength? Yeah, it? no, exactly. Like we, we did, so we did work on our strengths and, and our super strengths. And it was really apparent to me that I knew there were people in that room when we were doing it in our team that, and I was probably one of them, to be fair, that knew, knew their strengths. But to actually stand up and say out loud to everybody this is what I am amazing at is was really hard because I and I do think I do think it is a little bit of a cultural thing Mm -hmm. um because in this uh, well certainly from my experience in this country yeah if you say what you're good at you're deemed to be arrogant yeah and and nobody wants to be arrogant it's seen as a negative thing and so but I potentially having spoken to you know, a few people from America, yeah. I think they are much more comfortable at, I can at, quite believe at being that. positive yeah. and yeah, saying yeah. what they're good at. And actually that's, that's, that's a little bit more normal for them. And so, so yeah, I, I think, and also, you know, knowing your strengths and, and owning them is such a powerful thing. Um, and being able to stand up and say, 
say what you could because because potentially there is that fear though that people won't agree i think that probably is the biggest fear there's the the thing of being seen as arrogant but then there's also the thing of are you sure like that's what you think you're good at like (laughs) and then you're like oh yeah yeah maybe you're right there's that there's that aspect as well yeah um but it's but the, it's a yeah. surprising vulnerability part, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you, it's yeah. yeah, it's somewhat counterintuitive, right? So you've shared a lot of, like you say, you're a big thinker, right? So it's no huge surprise that you've gone into psychology, bagged this top job with with Spurs. So, and I'm, you know, I know when you'll have done your course and your masters and whatever else, there's lots of theories and textbooks and all these things that you that you could draw on. So two parts to this question. First of all, do you draw more on what you've learned or your experience? And what are the key things? If you had to summarize the key things that you try and take into to help the team and the squad and the support stuff and everything like that. I think I draw probably mainly on on my experience as a hockey player and what, mm-hmm. what I experienced within within our team over over the 18-year career that I had. You know, there was the good, the bad and the ugly of what it is to be in, in a team. And then, do, do you know what? I think that the biggest thing that I I feel like I, f- I feel like is useful for everybody is 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 around the, the self-awareness mm. um, first. And, and again, it's probably self-awareness, but it's it's bigger than that. It's it's knowing yourself. It's knowing yourself and who you are. That like basically the, the kind of this conversation that we've just had. Um, but then also the the self awareness of how you're impacting people around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and really understanding understanding yourself. Yeah, like what what drives you, what motivates you, what annoys you, what and how can you then influence the people around you as well in in yeah. a positive way. Totally agree with you. Okay, I'm going to come back to our original question then. So now, so you've done, so, yeah, yeah. It's, you've had you've had over an hour to percolate on this, Alan. So no more excuses. What is the thread that links all your stuff? Do you think? <laughs> I, um, I'm thinking I haven't got a great answer to this. You but don't need I'm a great one. Something along the lines of. Here we go. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's something along the lines of of being open to grow to new things to so challenge it's a, to so it's an ex- exploration thing as it comes back yeah. to that kind of explore yeah. it's like it's like being open and it's so it's putting yourself bit... in the arena yeah kind of thing guys the yeah. Brené brown thing again <laughs> what a surprise <laughs> that openness curiosity, curiosity and, and yeah. having that courage to do it and regardless of the outcome we got there we got there. <laughs> anyway listen listen uh, helen it's been i just want to say a big thank you spurs are lucky to have you it's been a real pleasure talking to you so i just want to say a huge thank you please say hello to kate for me like i said i love the the story of you and your teammates and everything that you've all been through individually collectively it's it's uh it's a privilege so just thank you no, you're very welcome, Simon. It's been uh, for myself as well. It's it's really lovely to be able to reflect on on the not so good stuff, but also the amazing stuff that that we did as a as a team. And um, who knows where it will end up going in the future.
Thank you for listening to this episode with Helen Richardson-Walsh. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to her. I'd love to hear what you think. Message me at Simon Mundy. If you could as well give Don't Tell Me The Score a rating, hopefully five stars and a kind review, I would be very grateful and I will pay it forward. Also out today is part two of my chat with Rupert Spira about a philosophy of sport or really the nature of reality. And I would suggest that that is one to listen to while you are not doing anything else as we do go pretty deep. Anyway, that's it for now. Thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'll be back next Monday for another episode of Don't Tell Me The Score. And I hope you'll join me then. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.